in the heart of Beer City, USA. Two men, one journey, to create a sports show unlike any other. Unfiltered, raw, and honest. One of them played a soccer goalie opposite Ben Stiller. The other once scored six points on Steph Curry. These guys know their sh- Let's go! Tank Spencer, Jeremy Green, the Sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets. Low prices, love the savings. And welcome into the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. We are always heard on the iHeartRadio app, seen everywhere live on YouTube. Go to thesportsocracy.com. Don't forget to click on that live video link and hit the subscribe button. Not only can you get into the chat that way and get immediate contact with the program, but you can also uh, be alerted every time we have extra content going out on the YouTube channel. Uh, next up this evening, we got a blitz going out of, uh, of um, uh, what is it? Uh, it's the uh, free agency grades of each and every team will begin tonight at 6 o'clock. We will have an a-, a happy hour coming up after this program where we answer some of the biggest questions from our YouTube feed uh, on draft stuff because we've got, as you can see behind Jeremy's head, 24 days until draftmas. Uh, it's, and, and, you know, that's really what I think we should talk about today, just exclusively NFL draft things because there's nothing else happening that, that really merits that's- – that's going to be two hours worth of of radio. That's going to oh. be a no from me, dog. Oh, you, you got uh, something we, else? <laughs> we got all the things to talk about. Cause how about them Tar Heels, baby? Saturday night in the Final Four, taking down Duke, ending Coach Mike Shushevsky's career with not one but two giant L's. Go ahead, throw it out there. Uh, I mean, if you're watching us on the YouTube stream. You will be seeing a shirt that you will be able to buy out of our merch store very soon that just says you can't spell Shashevsky without two L's at the end. That's right. 81-77 victory over the Duke Blue Devils in a Final Four for a chance at the national title tonight against the Kansas Jayhawks. And boy, oh boy, you will hear it live right here on ESPN Asheville tonight uh, starting at uh, 8. 8 o'clock, I believe. Is well, I mean, the, uh, I don't think the game tips off until sometime tomorrow. Yeah, because, right. I mean, you know, we got to get the West Coast crowd in. Right. Because they care so much about college oh, yeah. basketball. Yeah, with Kansas and, and North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're just with, with bated breath. I'm just, I mean, every Tar Heel and Duke fan were on the edge of their seats from tip to buzzer, and it was everything that we had built it up to be. We built this up. This is the greatest college basketball matchup in history. And it was. It lived up to it. It was. Nobody led by more than seven points at any point during the game, and it was a back-and-forth battle, uh, bucket for bucket, there toward the end. And it was only because Duke couldn't come up with the foul shots. If they'd have hit some free throws, they'd have been uh, they'd have been cruising on to the national championship game. But no. Well, I mean, if Paolo Bancaro had ever figured out, nobody on this floor can guard me. Right. Nope. Got to play good, fundamental team basketball. That's and right. thanks to that, you're going home. And uh, North Carolina plays on. And it was the sweetest victory ever. I mean, you go from, you know, Marvin Williams' last second tip in in the regular season back in 2005. Nope. That, that Saturday night beat the tar out of that. Uh, the I wasn't alive to see the 
what was it the the eight points in 16 seconds or whatever it was i don't think anything will ever beat that right carolina fans you have officially jumped the shark april 2nd 2022 yeah nothing you will never top that no no but the question has been uh, was asked before the game and has been asked since the game is it going to matter moving forward in the rivalry obviously the bragging rights yes i mean you'll always have that to fall back on but we still want to beat duke more than anybody else oh you've got i would say 20 solid years of you have the ultimate trump card oh yeah well we beat you yeah we, we said yeah. i had a loser twice right well and especially if it uh if things go go well tonight i'm gonna level i don't care how it goes tonight you uh, still have look there hasn't been an eight seed that's won this tournament in 30 some odd years yeah it was a villanova villanova the the ed pinkney villanova team mm-hmm. uh, okay you're playing with house money and that's just the way i look at it and you, have- you are 100 percent playing with house money there is I, I mean that would be a nice cherry on top right but this is your first year under a coach that i'm not gonna lie a lot of people had questions about after the way dean went out you bring in bill guthridge that lasted for a bit mm-hmm. then you go matt doherty before you ultimately land on roy there were a lot of Carolina fans and affiliates and people that cover this team, me included, that thought, I don't know how I feel about this Herbert, Hubert Davis thing. I was the same well, way. Here we are. Uh, outside of the absolute mind-boggling, nobody on this team can set a high ball screen except Armando Baycott, which I, I think I screamed about 907 times. Why won't you post up? Right. They have two big guys. One of them picked up four fouls in the first half. Just stand down low and wait on the ball. Nothing but good can happen there. Right. I mean, it was it was truly an agonizing game on both parts because you lived and died with every shot as we thought you would. And it felt, I mean, I mean the entire game. Now, other Tar Heel fans may have a different take on this, but my take is through the entire game, I never expected we were going to win that game. Because we would, because Duke would get up by a little bit, and then we come back, and then Duke would get up by a little bit more, and then we come back, and we did that like eight times throughout the game. But you, but we never really got over the hump. We could never put them away. Could never, and, and it, and I thought it was going to come down to the end, and it was going to be, you know, tie ball game with two minutes left or something, and then Duke will go on the run, and it will lose by six. It'll be a great game. We can all say goodbye, and then we'll have the big you know, the the big hoopla tonight. I never thought it was going to happen. Well, and then I will Brady tell you. Manic finally hit a shot. Mulleted man. <laughs> like the entire game you're going, when's Brady going to hit one? When's Brady going to hit one? And then he hit one with what? Like 50 seconds left on the clock. He hit a three pointer and it was like, Oh, Oh no. Oh. The, the one he j- hit where he levitated over the end line. That's that will go down in Carolina lower forever. I will tell you from a unbiased observer's opinion. Okay. I said on Friday, I really did not care how this game ended. One way or the other, it was going to give us two hours of just prime talking points today. Mm-hmm. As soon as Theo John picked up his fourth foul, and maybe it's I, I played this game, maybe it's that I have coached this game. As soon as I saw that, I went, Shashevsky's not in this. Mm-hmm. It, it, this is too important to him. It, he's pressing. You can never with two big guys allow one of them to pick up their fourth foul in the first half. There's a reason you never see it, because it makes absolutely no sense. 
and it hamstrung them in the second half. Mm-hmm. Armando Baycott goes down, and I'll. that's the only time I waffled on this might not go how I thought it was going to. Really? Other than that, I never really felt like Carolina was going to lose. Hmm. Okay. Especially once Caleb Love figured out, oh, yeah, I can score. I, I do have the ability to do that. I just felt like Duke was playing very passively. Mm-hmm. Paolo Bencaro, you know, when we get to NBA draft time, that game's going to come up, and it should. Because if you're the best player in the country, which a lot of people think he is, you have to take that over. They couldn't yeah. stop him. Yeah. Anytime he touched the ball, good things happened. And then he would go two and three minutes at a time with nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's that would terrify me. Coming up later in the show, obviously, we're going to break down tonight's uh, tonight's game. Kansas Jayhawks against the North Carolina Tar Heels. Jeremy will have all of the picks for you. He's oh, going, yeah, we're going props. We're doing yeah Because the NBA just said, nope, we're, we're taking tonight off. The green on green, the five on it, uh, both coming up in this program. We're also going to uh, touch base with our good friend Chris Womack, sports director for WLOS News 13, who is still down in New Orleans covering it for the Sinclair Broadcasting Stations, and we will uh, – touch base with him about this you know wild hair trip that he had he told us on friday that he came up with the you know when he found out that carolina was going that he came up with the plan to write you know write management and say hey i'll go down there i'll cover it for everybody and yeah oh he's he, he told me he told me today that he didn't care how he got down there he would have walked down there to be in the building for that game. And he was, and I'm super jealous. Well, he is living uh, the, the Jeremy Green philosophy of you miss 100% of the shots that you do not take. Exactly. So we'll talk to Chris Womack coming up at 3.30 uh, here in just a little bit. But Duke and Carolina, it was everything that we thought it was going to be. And It's one of the few times that a game like that lives up to the hype and then some. Oh, no doubt. I don't know how that game could have been any better. I mean, overtime. If it had gone into overtime, I'm, been not, sure that, I'm not sure that would have. Uh, if, it I, had, if it had gone down the way the Baylor game went down with Carolina and oh, Baylor. Oh, I don't know that I could have withstood that. Yeah. And that's as a casual bystander. I'm not <laughs> sure I could have taken that. Right. It was hard enough to take, uh, you know, just in regulation for us Tar Heel fans. But, man, I did not. I did not. Uh, I, there was a little small part of me, but the majority of me thought, Today, we're going to come in and we're going to be talking about the legacy of Coach K rather than talking about the Tar Heels having a chance at a national title. And it's even sweeter than I thought it would feel. Even sweet? It's sweeter than I thought it would feel. Just to see the long look on his face. And then the fact that the players were so dejected that they couldn't even shake hands after the game. To me, that was just... That was just the icing on the that cake. That has been made such a narrative. Because it is. It's not. It is poor sportsmanship no, when you do not, not shake hands at the end of a game. Yes, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I have long said the, the handshake line is one of the dumbest things we do. Mm-hmm. Because you do this before the game. I, I, right. I'm, I'm not and going off on that tangent, the but the, the narrative there is insane. You, you literally... You've got a team here of this is the youngest team Shashevsky ever had. You've had all of the captains around this team all year long, and you're dejected. You feel like your your legacy in Duke lore is going to be tainted, which it is. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. <laughs> right, right. What I'm saying is, is that I completely understand why you don't want to line up and go good game. I, I, I totally get that. Right. 
That and booing. Two of just two things that will never make sense to me. It's just one of those things. It's ingrained in us as little kids is after the game is over, regardless of who wins, you go congratulate your opponent on I, one way I or will, the other. And I will say that this is another thing that Carolina fans seem to be ignoring. Uh, well-known Carolina hater, Patrick Holt, yep. one of our NC State follower fans. They weren't dejected. Carolina was in the middle of the court celebrating. What was Duke supposed to do? Stand there for 10 minutes and wait? Yep. Uh, also, good point. Yep. That is also a good point. Th- that is just one of those narratives that people, you, you make a big deal of it, I guarantee you nobody on that floor cared. Mm-hmm. Brady Manick didn't walk away and go, Pallow didn't shake my hand. Oh, whatever <laughs> will we do? No, we won, they lost. Mm-hmm. On we go. Yep. I would have been just as dejected as they were, and I'm not going to lie to you. You call me a poor sport, you call me whatever you want to. If I'd been on that Duke team, first of all, you're never going to see me cry in public. So Mm -hmm. to the locker room, I would have gone as quickly as I could get there. Right. I just don't care. They didn't shake hands. Ooh. Just, it's, 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 one, it's, it's just one. It's as baseball fan as there is. Yeah, it's one more cherry on top of the victory that it was just, it was so sweet. And to see, you know. To see Hubert Davis be able to take this team to the national championship after we all talk smack about him. Oh, I mean, this was not a high. I mean, I'm just going to level with you. This is not a hire that was well received. No, it was. There were a lot of people around Carolina Nation that thought, are you sure this is what you want to do? Especially in this era, first time head coach, getting the. And he has, me included, he has shut every one of us up. No to doubt. the highest extreme. No doubt. Any question that you had about Hubert Davis now has to be put to rest. Because, I, I mean, I, I would say it was already put to rest after after the Baylor game. After the upset of the number one seed in the East region, you could put all that to bed. That because would have given you a lot of, of latitude. Been gravy. Well, that would have been, given you a lot of latitude. If this puts you in Carolina lore forever. Yeah, if we'd have lost to UCLA in the Sweet 16, I feel like we'd have come out of that game going, man, that's a tough break. It was a really close game. Sorry we missed out on it. But what a great job Hubert Davis did this year with this team, turning them around late in the season and making even a little bit of a noise in the NCAA tournament. And now you're in the national championship game, and nobody's going to ever be able to take that away from him. You know, he could possibly become the first head coach in NCAA basketball history to win a championship in his first season as the head coach. Full season. There's only one other guy that's done it, and that was Steve Fisher back in 89 with the with Michigan, but he only took over as the head coach during the tournament. So Yeah, that's you're, yeah. you're gonna go yeah, you're gonna go down in history as doing something that no one has ever done before. Now my question, and we'll get into this after the break, okay. is how are you going to feel? tomorrow Mm -hmm. if this doesn't go your way because i have a dedicated lean on how it is and i think you and i are going to disagree on it vehemently okay all right so the question on the table is how will how will tar heel fans feel if we come up short tonight because i fully believe and this is coming from a lot of crowdsourcing of carolina fans i feel like you all think it's one thing Mm -hmm. and i don't agree with you all right, we'll talk about it up next right here on ESPN. Asheville, get into the YouTube stream as well today because uh, we got another tournament going on. The most overrated bands bracket is down 
to the Elite Eight. Matchup number one coming up next. Rogue Combat Club, Asheville's home for comprehensive martial arts training, has a goal for our community, one that's stronger, more fit, and unwavers in its support of one another. Rogue Combat Club's instructors have competed at the highest levels and offer classes for everyone from young children to adults in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, and wrestling. Rogue Combat Club classes can help you boost your self-confidence and self-defense skills while weeding out the egos and intimidation found at other gyms. Join today at RogueCombatClub.com. The underdog. The long shot. The nobody from nowhere, never gonna happen, 100 to one shot. We know something about that. We're with you every step of the way. This week at Ingalls, select 6 to 12 count Laurel and Cuddly Soft Bath Tissue, $3.98 each. Select sizes and varieties Kellogg's Frosted Flakes or Fruit Loop Cereal, two for $4. And select sizes and varieties Tide Laundry Detergent, $12.98 each. Ingalls, low prices, love the savings. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. It is most overrated bands bracket elite eight time. You can vote in the, uh, in the YouTube stream. And this is where I think the Creed Cinderella run comes to an end because they are coming up against a band that might be more hated than they are. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, today's matchup Creed versus tool. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this is, this Tool, is, this also is known I, as the wire of bands. Yeah. This is where I jump off of the, uh, the, the, the creed train. It's got to be tool. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I, I never understood tool. I mean, I have no qualms with them, but if you're telling me I have to listen to one of those two bands, it's creed. And I don't think twice about it. <laughs> right. I mean, the thing for tool for me is like, there's three songs. They got three songs that I can stand. And even those, I'm about halfway through the song and go, okay, I've heard it. All right, let's I'm, move I'm, on. We're good. Yeah, we're- let's let's move on. Let's not let's not do this anymore. Uh so Creed versus Tool poll vote in the poll right now in the YouTube stream. We're already off to a running start where Tool has a seventy five to twenty five lead on Creed to advance in the most overrated bands bracket that would put them into the final four. And they will face either U2 or One Direction. Uh, so U2. Uh, I hope I so. I think we can already call that one. U2 is on a, they are the Kansas of this tournament. Right. All the other high seeds are going down, but not us. <laughs> Speaking of going down, hey, did, did, did anybody see WrestleMania last night? Holy cow. All I'm saying is Pat McAfee, if he will, if you weren't a fan of Pat McAfee before, you definitely are a Pat Mac fan now because he put on a show last night against Austin Theory, which I don't even know who that is. I don't either. I don't watch wrestling anymore, but I watched WrestleMania just to, you know, just to see the matches, see what was going on. And Pat McAfee, he was showing off some skills, uh, some agility that you wouldn't think would come from a former NFL punter. Uh, Pat McAfee is officially living my dream life. Uh, he he got to drink beer and took a stunner from Stone Cold Steve Austin Which in the ring. Great, and he might have been one of the best to ever take one because the the sell on that was tremendous. Was much better than Vince McMahon's, which oh. looks like he might have been sniped out of the crowd. Yeah, Vince McMahon he he completely lost it. Like he he started to have the flashback. What I loved more than anything was they took forever to pay that off. 
Like, I told my wife before the match was even over with Austin Theory and Pat McAfee, like, you watch this. Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to come out. They're going to play on this whole, you know, the rivalry with the boss thing that he used to have. And they took forever to get it. There was I one didn't know part, any of that because I watched it on Twitter. There was one part where Austin Theory and, and Vince McMahon, after they had beaten up Pat McAfee, where Austin Theory's music came on and Vince returned around like it was Stone Cold's music. And and then when he realized it was the wrong music, he was he did this face like, oh, wait, no, 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 not yet, not yet. Well, I mean, he's 906 years <laughs> yeah. old, so I, I think you you taking stutters, your your time is probably passed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, Pat McAfee did a great job last night. And Jeremy, you know, I said to Jeremy, this should, this should lead to more matches for Pat Mac. And I think the next one should be against Logan Paul because Logan Paul, he wrestled a hell of a match with The Miz on uh, Saturday night. I, I saw none of that. And, frankly, it, you lost me at Logan Paul. I mean, if you're just going to do something. The Logan. only way you're getting me to watch Logan Paul fight anything is if it's a bear. That I would probably watch. He did. I was impressed. I was impressed. They all did really well. Um, the the special guests, anyway, for WrestleMania. I did you see never Wee know Man those... and Johnny Knoxville, which, I, you know, and maybe this is me talking from a place of I don't watch wrestling. Mm -hmm. Is that really a draw at this point? Johnny, Johnny Knoxville. Knoxville has aged 30 years in the last five minutes. I mean, he's got a new movie coming out. So, yeah, I mean, I guess. Because they, 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 they just had another Jackass movie put out, right? Uh, yes, and I will tell you this. Watching Wee Man try to climb into the ring, hilarious. Did you see the slam? Uh, yes, I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was that guy's name? Sammy he he looked oddly like he could be a brother of mine. Oh, yeah. He, he was definitely a thinner version of you. Um, but we man putting the, putting the old body slam on Sammy Zayn was, it was one of the highlights of the night. We all knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. You knew we man was going to play a part. I was not expecting the party guy, uh, showing off his butt cheeks, uh, all over the place, but I, I didn't even say that for you. If it didn't appear on Twitter, I have no idea of it. <laughs> I, wa I watched all of it. I, I re there's just something about WrestleMania, like, you got to see WrestleMania. Mm, I mean, no. I feel that way. When, when the headline draw is 56-year-old Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm good. Well, that was just for night one. And night, he was the highlight of night two as well. Well, I mean, that's only because Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar uh, wasn't the I greatest could, match I ever. I could care less. They build that up to be Carolina Duke, and it ended up being Carolina and St. Peter's. Yeah, out. <laughs> I'm out on all of that. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm sorry that you couldn't bring yourself to, to watch the fun that was WrestleMania. I, I was too spent from Carolina Duke. I, I needed a whole day of rest after that. Just, I, I, I need nothing else. I did. I did nothing. I, I watched Carolina and Duke on Saturday night, uh, and then nothing until WrestleMania last night. I watched Blue Blood reruns all day because I could physically not take any more I was overstimulated the night before. I right. need basic. Right. I need Tom Selleck's very soothing voice. And that is exactly <laughs> what I got. All right, real quick, before we get just a bit outside here, Jeremy, you asked the question. You asked the question of, you know, as a Tar Heel fan, how are you going to feel about tonight? I care. I mean, obviously, we're in the national championship. I care. But I don't care as much as if we were a favorite to win the national championship. And I think it's very easy for you to say that. 
However, if this it this is how I think this is going to go. Mm-hmm. This game's going to be really close. Vegas does not agree with that, by the way. We'll get into that later in the show. Vegas is absolutely so leveraged on one side of this that if it doesn't go that way, shoe buddy. Right. And it's a bold strategy, Cotton. And if you're trying to sucker me into something, it's probably going to work. Right. I feel like this game's going to be close. Mm-hmm. And if... It comes down to the final minute, and Abaji hits a hits a three to end it. I feel like it's going to be as gutting as the Villanova loss was, and you're not re- you don't want to admit that because we got the Duke win. That's good enough. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is. Oh, it is. I don't think it is. I-, I think you will walk away going, but we were so close. Why could you not just finish it off? <laughs> this is the living embodiment of the miracle on ice to me. Okay. Nobody ever remembers that they had to play again two uh, or a night later. Mm-hmm. Nobody remembers that. Nope. And that story would not be nearly as magical if they had lost in the title game. They didn't. And I and ironically enough, using that analogy, I don't think anybody will win that you remember that you won the national title. They'll remember you beating Duke and go, oh yeah, they they did win the title, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to have the same lore if you don't win. It will to Carolina fans. Okay. I'm talking about in historical narrative. If Kansas wins this, it's going to be one of the biggest letdowns that I can remember. I, it it can't be a letdown if the favorite wins. Uh, and I don't agree with that. Okay. I don't agree with that. You took down the Goliath. You took down the rival. And now this is, it, to a lot of people, this is seen as a formality. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it will be remembered as favorably. Not now and not to Carolina fans. A few years down the line. Well, I, it's it's never going to be seen as a formality. Uh, tonight's t- tonight's outcome will not have any um, what impact on how we see the game that happened on Saturday night. And we I will, don't agree with we that. We will always remember that we beat Duke in the Final Four, even if we had to lose a national championship a, and, you know, and two days later. I'm not disputing that. I'm saying, well, here's what I think, at least talking to you and a slew of other Carolina fans. Mm-hmm. You're chalking this up to, well, we're playing with house money now. Exactly. And you say that. We've been doing it for three you, rounds. Until you watch that blue and red confetti fall from the sky and you just go, oink, oink, oink. I am going this is to not be, nearly as much fun as I thought it would right. be. I am going to be dejected, obviously. I am going to be upset if we do not win this game. But it is not going to be anything like villain the Villanova game where we knew we were going to win going in we were favored to be one of the you know one of the uh options to win the national championship that year and you lose on a last second shot I don't think it's really going to matter but again I'll tell you tomorrow and hopefully we're dancing instead of uh crying in our uh PhD shakes I I, <laughs> I, I marked that tape just in case okay. I need that clip right. tomorrow because there's a possibility that I'm going to. Okay, we we shall see. Let's get just a bit outside before we hook up with uh, uh, Chris Womack of News 13. Boy, you must be outside your mind. The sportsocracy. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. I'm not sure how to feel about this omen, but here it is. Mattress Mac, he's back, laying down the giant wagers. And he is on a hell of a losing streak. All of the picks that he has made recently for championship games, whether it be 
in the World Series or college football. And now he's put big doubloons down on tonight's game, putting $3.3 million on the Kansas Jayhawks to win the NCAA tournament. Uh, he got him at uh, plus 190, which means if he wins, he would return $6.27 million. And like I say, he's he's on a bit of a losing streak here. But actually, he's smart. Oh, well, he's always been smart. Because he's hedging. Mm-hmm. This is a hedge bet. So at the beginning of the tournament, he put down a wager of a million dollars to win $2.16 million on the team that came out of the East region. Now, Mattress Matt comes from Houston, Texas, and so he was putting money down on the Texas Longhorns or the Baylor Bears. If one of those teams moves on and wins the East and wins the championship, then I have appeased my local fan base here in Houston, and I've got a good story. Well, uh, Carolina came out of the East, and so he's got a million riding on them. Now he's got $3.3 million riding on on uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. So win or lose tonight for the Carolina Tar Heels, Mattress Mac will be taking something home. Well, and there was another layer of that. Okay. Because he had the, – the way these promotions work is that he guaranteed customers who bought $3,000 or more of furniture their money back if a Texas team won it all. So he was – and this is one of those times that the better in me is going – that's not a hedge because there are ways that you can lose all of those things. Right. That's not hedging. That's stupid hedging by somebody that has a lot of money. They would have gotten their money back for Texas team one. Well, there is also a clause that if a Texas team does not make it to the final four, the team closest to his store, if they win, they still get their money back. Okay. So that's why he has now put five and a half million dollars on Kansas to win this game. Holy cow, it went up? Yeah. He has wagered $5.5 million to win 10.4 on Kansas at plus 190. Wow. All of these bets were made earlier this week in Louisiana. Okay. All right. The story I had said it was 3.3, so it's now 5.5. Yeah. There were two separate bets. There was Ah. a 3.3 that he made at Caesar Sportsbook, and then he did another one of 2.2 at the Barstool Sportsbook. Oh, okay. And again, the gambler in me is... Will you Google hedge because you're not doing this correctly, and this is how you end up like the Monopoly man with your pockets pulled out, going, "I don't have any money left." I want to. I, I, it's jealousy. That's all it is. It's I want to have, have, have that I, money. I want to have money that I could lose like this and just not care because I'm way better at this than he is. It's been a rocky run for New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones, and it only seems to be getting rockier. Because no one with a New York area code wants to answer the question, are we picking up your option? Uh, He was on a Zoom meeting earlier with reporters today, and the question of his option was continuously coming up. He finally had to answer, this is an actual hedge, and said there will be a time and place for those conversations. We'll see and we'll take care of that. We'll do that when it comes up. But I'm focused on what we're doing here preparing and taking advantage of every day we have here together, which is a really nice way of saying, I I don't, there's no shot. They're picking up my option. None. There is a better shot of him being abducted by aliens. than there is of his fifth year option being picked up by the New York giants, but you can't say that. You can't say that. Daniel Jones, whoever thought that was going to happen anyway.
one person. Unfortunately, it was the person making selections for the New York Giants. Right. Well, thankfully, he's gone now. No more David Gettleman uh, up there in New York. All right, tonight you'll hear the game right here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. We got the North Carolina Tar Heels against the Kansas Jayhawks for the whole shebang. And we got our guy in the streets down there, the uh, the the formidable Chris Womack, sports director for WLOS News 13. He was in the building for the big takedown of Coach K ending his career on the L. It doesn't get any better for Tar Heel fans. Chris, how how was it, man? It was the experience of a lifetime. I mean, I've covered national championship football games and other big events, but since I had no rooting interest in this game, I was able to just kind of sit back and enjoy it. And what a game. I, I was wondering how a basketball game in a 70,000-seat arena would feel. I, mean, I, I wonder, I mean, is that going to take away from the atmosphere? It just it seemed too big for basketball. So, oh, my God, it was perfect. Right. It, was, it was raucous. It was incredible. Um, and then just that, that final, what, three or four minutes when they were just trading three-pointers. and I mean, God, the lead changed, what, 18 times? Mm-hmm. That, that just – phenomenal game on a phenomenal stage it was surreal it was the highlight of my career so far how quiet did it get in the uh, in the stadium when armando baycott went down and started holding on to his leg there late very quiet and it was uh because we couldn't really see from where i was i just saw the rest of the Tar Heels start walking behind the basket i'm like what are they doing that's a weird place to have a huddle and then i saw hubert run on the floor and i you know, kind of did a quick head count. I said, oh, God, there's there's only four. Oh, God, Baycott's not standing up. And uh, that's when it, it dawned. And then when he got carried off, it I, I'll give the Duke fans credit. The, the student section clapped for him, and it seemed like everybody gave him a really respectful send-off. And then when he checked back in, that place went bonkers. Um, it was it was pretty quiet. And, and I'll tell you what, that's going to be a big key to tonight. Hubert Davis has been saying he's fine. Armando said he was fine after the game, but – he didn't look fine when he was limping off the court. Well, and if he's not- well, Armando also said they would have to cut my leg off for me not to play in this game. So it doesn't really matter <laughs> how damaged that leg is. Uh, he's he's the one. He's now going to the coach saying, uh, "Shoot me with whatever you got to shoot me with. I'm going out on this court." Oh no, no, I have no doubt he'll play. But it's it's how close to a hundred percent is he going to be? Because David McCormick is a man child down there for Kansas, and so. They they need a healthy Baycott to control him. Oh, there there is no doubt about it. But those those two have history together. They played AAU together. I did not realize that until earlier today. I heard uh, on the show previous to ours, they were like, hey, these guys are from Virginia. Do they know each other? Uh, yeah, they do know each other. And, in fact, the team-loaded team from Virginia had Armando Baycott, uh, <laughs> David McCormick, and Mark Williams from Duke. They were on oh the same team score? in AAU. <laughs> yeah, right. That was my next comment was, I think they gave up four points a game. <laughs> I'll tell you, when I was playing AAU ball, I, um, I played in the Junior Olympics, and one of the teams we ran into was the North Carolina Logators. And they had Rashad McCants, Raymond Felton, David Novell, and Sh- uh, David Noel, and Shavlik Randolph. Oh, yeah, that's They rough. beat us by Seventy. <laughs> Seventy. That sounds like Jeremy's story <laughs> from when he played Steph Curry. Yeah, they beat us by ninety-four. 
Actually, yeah, no, that's, yeah, I did just, the math wrong. They beat us by 88. It was 100 to 12. I think that's when I realized that college basketball was probably not in my future. Because until then, I had held on to the fact, oh, they, they just haven't found me yet. They'll find me. I mean, they always do. And then I saw Rashad McCants pull up from just inside half court like it was a free throw and knock it down. So right. that was a, a wake-up call for me. <laughs> Nice. Uh, so, I got to ask you what what kind of what kind of stories you've been keeping yourself busy with since you uh, since you've been down there on uh, you know on well I guess you got there Thursday. So uh, what are yeah. what are some of the ancillary things other than you know the the play by plays and the reactions of the games that you've been covering? So we, uh, the first day we were the first full day we were here we did a story with C. L. Brown and David Thompson who cover North Carolina and Duke respectively um, just. How, how do you cover something of this magnitude? It was with, with all the storylines that went into it and, and the hype that was building up before it. You know, typically with journalism, you try and find an angle. But, but I mean, what's your angle when there's a million angles? Right. And, and so that was kind of the story there. And then, you know, a, a lot of the, the rest has been eaten up with press conferences and going out to talk to fans. It, it, it's funny. We, we went out and, you know, met up with some Tar Heel fans yesterday to get their reaction. And according to the NCAA, 3% of brackets, 3.14% of brackets picked North Carolina to go to the Final Four. Somehow, someway, that entire 3.14% is in New Orleans, and I have managed to talk to them because every Tar Heel fan seems to, to claim that they thought this would happen all along. And I just find that really hard to believe. No, they uh, didn't. Considering, you know they're yeah, lying. Yeah. Stop Revisionist it. Revisionist history. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did not tweet something terrible about Hubert Davis. And, the the and reason all, they all say the that is because we all do one bracket where our team wins. Oh, I totally saw yeah. this coming. No, you I, didn't. I in, didn't. Your, in your can't-miss, has-to-be-true bracket, you did not have Carolina beating, uh, you know. You might have had them beating Baylor, but you didn't have them in the, in the championship. I didn't do that I because my team beat. didn't make the tournament. So it's, it would have been <laughs> real hard for me to have one of those brackets. Uh, poor Seminoles. I had them out in the Sweet 16. I did have them beating Baylor, but I didn't have them moving on past that. Right. I, I didn't even have them beating Baylor. So... I had them getting out of, you know, beating Marquette in the first round. Sure, we could do that. Uh, as far as taking down what I just, I, I didn't have the faith. I didn't have the faith that they would be able to put it all together with a short bench, with streaky shooting, with their propensity for turnovers. There were just so many uh, red flags about this team. This has been a complete miracle run. Jeremy swears that I'm going to come in here sobbing tomorrow if we don't win this national championship. And I feel like I'm already on cloud nine because I didn't even expect us to get out of the first weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people, if they're being honest, didn't expect them to, to get beyond Baylor or the Sweet 16. Um, but, you know, obviously Hubert Davis and the team would not agree that they're already winners. <laughs> There's only one way to to reach that level for them but right. if you're a fan you i mean you can't ask for more than this you had an eight seed team that's playing in the national championship game i that that's a win in my book i mean again it's easy for me to say because alabama got bounced in the first round so hey i, I can easily be a, a glass half full guy for any fan base but yeah it, i mean this is a wonderful accomplishment for for hubert in his first year to make it this far i mean that's a, that's a W. Oh, yeah. 
Something that uh, I, I don't think you could pick up on the the video of this, and I'm really curious to hear with with you being on the ground there exactly how this went. Describe the ambiance around that that exit press conference with Kay. I feel like that had to be the quietest media room in the history of creation. The history, and it was also the most crowded because you guys know typically in press conferences it's media members, and and you might get some. You know, the, the coach's wife might sneak in and maybe their, their kids will go stand in the back. But there were easily 100 people that were not media members that were with just the Duke traveling party or whoever that were standing back there in sheer reverence to Mike Krzyzewski as he was giving his final press conference and just hanging on to every word he said. And, and people kept trying to get him to wax poetic about four decades and finally coming to an end. And he just wouldn't take the bait. He eventually wore down at the end, and, and had, you've probably heard the bite about being the man in the arena, and that's what I'm going to miss the most, but I was in the arena for a really long time. Mm-hmm. When he said that, I, I got up and walked out because I, I looked at the photographers, and I said, that's my bite. Yep. And I went and started writing my story. Yep. You know it's over once you get that golden sound bite, and I feel yeah, like he yeah, had that's, it. that's he, all I needed. I'm sure he had that planned. I'm just, <laughs> oh, it was oh, too great of a sure, turn of phrase sure. for him to come off the top, off the dome piece with that. He was he was waiting for the right question where he could veer that way. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I mean, for Tar Heel fans, we saw it, and we you know we were like I said, it's even sweeter than I thought it would be after we <laughs> won that game, and now you go in with the ultimate high against a Kansas team that they are terrifying especially David McCormick, who you who you just talked about. But, I mean, you know, a lot's being made about the, the depth of these two teams. I don't know that it's all that different. I, I don't think it is. I mean, I think maybe they have one more player that they could go to, but what does that matter? I mean, if you're playing six versus seven, uh, you know, as long as nobody gets in foul trouble and you don't have to – start looking to the end of that bench, yeah. then, you, then it's not going to be a really big issue. And I, I think that the one thing that Kansas, and, and maybe it's more Bill Self than the players, you think about them as a blue blood program, et cetera, et cetera. But how many national titles do they have? Three. How many has he won? One. Yeah. And at Kansas, I mean, you like when you when people talk about Kansas, you would assume that they're up there with the UCLA's or at least, you know, Carolina and Duke, but but no, they're, this program has really underperformed it for based on the talent they have and and the type of prestige that they carry with them. I get it, James Naismith coached there. That's wonderful. That's great. Yes, y'all started basketball. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> but you haven't really excelled at it um, to the level of, of a lot of other programs. And so I, I think that Bill feels that pressure. I, I really do. But the players, I think that they are motivated by 2020 because a lot of them were on that team that very well could have won a national title. Obviously, the best team doesn't always win mm-hmm. in a knockout format like this, but they were very talented. They were going to be the number one overall seed, and then it just got ripped away from them. So that's, I think that that's what they're trying to use as their motivation. From everything they've said, it all kind of goes back to that. We got robbed of that moment, so we're here to atone for it and give them what they deserve. Well, none of the guys that left that team, I mean, they don't, they're not going to feel like this is their national title if you win, you know? <laughs> they're not going to go get sized up for rings. I mean, they're not going to be at the ceremony accepting them. But I think that's the way that they're trying to avoid some of the, the pressure of 
beating Kansas in the national championship game and then playing a team that is playing with house money. I mean, Carolina has nothing to lose at this point. Uh, right. Playing with house money. <laughs> yeah, playing with house money. And I think, you know, it should allow them to go in and, and play smooth. But the question is, was was Saturday such an emotional toll that they won't be able to regroup against this Kansas team, which I think is a is a legitimate question to ask. You know, I they they made such a point of emphasis to, to downplay the Duke angle, and I know that away from the microphones, it was definitely something that was there. But I think that they what Hubert did before the season, apparently, according to Baycott. He had a meeting with the parents, and he told all of them to book flights to New Orleans and to go ahead and book hotels because they would be in the Final Four. And I think he has instilled that confidence in them that this is where they are supposed to be, that even when they went through that midseason lull, you know, losing Dawson Garcia midway through the season right before the conference play really cranked up was a big blow. And so it took them a while to adjust to that. But at, at the core of their souls, I think they always believed that they did belong here, even if people like me and uh you know what 96.86 percent of people didn't think they would get here um they seem to believe that they always would and if, if that's your mentality then it doesn't end in the semifinals you know you have another game that matters that you have to play so i if, if they lose i don't think it's going to be because of an emotional letdown i think it's going to be you know somebody gets in foul trouble or baycott isn't 100 percent you know something that actually happens on the court Chris Womack, sports director at WLOS News 13, on the scene live in New Orleans, Louisiana, national championship tonight. Uh, uh, do you do, do you want to make a pick? Um, because I live in Western North Carolina, and I am a survivalist. If nothing else, I would say, go. "Hey, how about Carolina?" Good for you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. It's not my first rodeo. Good for you. Uh, if you had to uh, vote for MOP. Who do you think it's going to be? Well, if it's Carolina that wins, it's got to be Caleb Luff. I mean, assuming if, if they're going to win tonight, he's going to have, to have a, a good game, probably a great game. And coming off what he did against Duke, I don't think that there's another selection. Yep. And if it's Kansas? Kansas, uh, you, you could hmm. – Baji is probably the pick there, um, unless somebody really goes off tonight um you can make a case for mccormick too yeah i was gonna say uh, unless obaji goes just nanners tonight and scores like 35 points i think it's got to go to mccormick he hasn't he ain't missed but three shots in the last two games yeah yeah he's probably the pick i just you know they have so many talented wing players that, that it, it may not even be obaji that goes off tonight it might be right. someone else right uh you know so yeah mccormick's probably the leader in the clubhouse but you know, whatever happens tonight will, will be the determining cause of that. All right, Chris, enjoy the, the game tonight, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you down the road, sir. Sounds like a plan. Best of luck to uh, your team, Tank. Appreciate I'm, I'm, you. I've got some Kansas friends walking around me, so I can't do <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That, that's good. When you're in New Orleans around a bunch of drunk people, don't say things are going to get your tail kicked. Uh, great yeah, job. Again, I'm a survivalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great job, as always. Uh, again, sports director for WLOS News 13, Chris Womack, live in New Orleans. We got your green on green picks of the night coming up next. 
I believe real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I am Clarissa Marshall with eXp Realty, serving all of Western North Carolina. Navigating the home buying and selling journey can feel overwhelming at times, and that's why having an agent who cares about you and your needs is key. I'm a native of Western North Carolina, and I close over a home a week. I'm an expert in the market, pricing my sellers correctly to net you the most money, and working as a skilled negotiator for my buyers. Please give me a call today at 828-774-6343 to set up a complimentary market analysis. Hey guys, I'm Ziggy, your local Philly girl, owner of Ziggy's Bakery and Deli. I've created a traditional northern deli with only the most authentic cheesesteaks outside of Philadelphia, served with provolone, white American, or cheese Whiz. Our other classic deli sandwiches are made with the best quality meats and cheeses available sliced by the pound. Join us for breakfast for house-made bagels with our custom cream cheeses. Or for something heartier, try a pork roll egg and cheese or house cured locks. Ziggy's Bakery and Deli in the corner of Asheville Commons, 1550 Hendersonville Road, open 8 to 3, Tuesday through Saturday. Coffee's the closer's home. Get him the money! Then when you get the money, you get the power. That watch costs more than your car. Then when you get the power, then you get the work. Well, there's, there's no NBA tonight, so I, I can't make the pick for the game now because you gotta hang around at the end of the show for that. So, we're going to go prop bets because Vegas is basically giving you free money. I have player props on two teams for both teams. We're going to start with Oche Abaji. Uh, you and Chris Womack were talking about McCormick being the shoe-in for MOP. Could be. You are both out of your gourds. Uh, <laughs> so long as Abaji makes it through this game, if Kansas wins, he's the MOP. I'll get into David McCormick in the next hour. His prop is 16 and a half points, and that is insanity. There is no shot he goes under this. Give me over 16 and a half. Next, Jalen Wilson is at 12 and a half. This is the pivot point of this game, in my opinion. David McCormick is not going to be as big of an impact in this game as you think, especially not offensively. Jalen Wilson under 12 and a half, Carolina wins. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, and I'll tell you at the end of the show whether I mean whether that means that Carolina's not going to win, but I'm going over 12 and a half for Jalen Wilson. Finally, Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis are both at 14.5 points. Armando Baycott may score that many points in free throws, and R.J. Davis is the stir that stirs the drink for the North Carolina Tar Heels. To me, it's easy. I'm going over 14.5 for both. I think this is a high-scoring game, and all these props are too low. Over 14.5 for both. Go and do likewise, gents. Money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy. I like them. Let's go to BetUs.com. Use the promo code SPORTSOCRACY. Get a 125% deposit bonus on whatever you put in, up to $2,500. And BetUs is giving you free money because the starters in this game do not add up to the number of points that they project this game to score, which means a lot of them are going over. Tar Heels, Jayhawks tonight in the national championship game. We'll continue the coverage up next after Sports Center. He's a degenerate gambler. You are a smelly pirate hooker. And he's cheaper than oxygen. He's useless. But somehow, they make it work. Jeremy Green, Tank Spencer. There's no holding back in the sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets. And welcome back into the Ingalls studio here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. The sportsocracy heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And yes, we're always brought to you by Ingalls. Low prices, love the savings. 
Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just click on the uh, go to the sportsocracy.com, click on the live video link, hit the subscribe button so you get all of our extra team by team content as we work through the uh, NFL offseason here. We've got uh, free agency grades going out tonight starting at six o'clock. But also, more importantly, if you subscribe to the channel, you get into the chat. You can ask us questions. We'll address them on the air. You say something brilliant, we'll say it. Uh, you know, we'll say it right here on the program. But also, you can vote in the most overrated bands bracket, which is down to the elite eight. The poll is up, and so far, the Creed is uh, taking down Tool, fifty-five uh, I'm, to I'm forty-five. I'm not happy about this. Creed <laughs> is the right call here. Yes, Creed is the right call. Most Do overrated band ever. How are they overrated when everybody hates them? <laughs> Again, this is more overrated. Is it Creed or is it Tool? Mm-hmm. We got it. We, we got an hour left. We do. And after this show, we will be doing a uh, draft mailbag, which we will do every Monday between now and the NFL draft, where we answer questions from our YouTube channel and from the comments and all of those things. So if you have a question for your favorite NFL team's draft strategy, 5 o'clock today on the YouTube stream. Yep, join us and we will answer questions live as well as the ones that we have combed through all of the the post-free agency seven-round mock drafts that were posted last week. Uh, We'll answer those questions as well. Tonight, right here on ESPN Asheville, you will hear it starting at 8 o'clock is the pregame coverage for the national championship game. Tip-off set for 9-20 down in New Orleans, North Carolina Tar Heels against the Kansas Jayhawks. And, you know, and if you didn't know, New Orleans been a pretty good place for Carolina. Uh, speaking of New Orleans. Yep. We have breaking news. Ooh. All right. Well. Let's just, let's see what this is. Who's going to break the news? 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 This is a rather large shakeup ahead of the April 28th, 2022 NFL draft. Uh Uh-oh. The Philadelphia Eagles have agreed to trade the 16th and the 19th picks, along with number 194, to the New Orleans Saints for number 18, number 101, Number 237, next year's one, and a two in 2024. Man. That is aggressive. And it speaks to something I have said about the New Orleans Saints. They are in love with Tyler Smith. One of those two picks is going to be Tyler Smith. Okay. The question is, do you take him at 16? And look, I'm going to level with you. If I know you're in love with him, everybody knows you're in love with him. That's what that says to me, and it kind of plays into something I have said across our our Saints videos leading up to this. They're going to find a way. Mm -hmm. I never, I didn't think it would be this. That's an aggressive move. They get number 16 and number 19. But they have to give up next year's one and their two, two years from now. That is very landscape shifting. It's it's long gamey. For uh, Howie Roseman, and frankly, it's a move that I I like. Oh, and I'll tell you right now, you I have yet to see anybody say this. I'm not going to say they haven't. I just haven't seen it yet. Uh, thank you to Justin Parton for alerting me to that this had happened. Uh, this is all about quarterback mm-hmm. because there are none here. Philadelphia had no shot at a quarterback in this draft. 
because Malik Willis is the only one that I think you you could have taken that high and felt good about it replacing Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. And not the case next year. Yeah, but now you got and and, and now you and have you have two right now. You have two picks next year that to you be can able to move, move if up. you need to. Right. Okay. So the Philadelphia Eagles play in the long game here. They know they know they knew taking a quarterback this year was not going to be good. Like taking a quarterback this year was going to be a risky proposition. So why not continue to ride with the quarterback that led you to the playoffs last year and then see what you got next year? Well, and I'm just going to level you. This is what smart teams do. Mm -hmm. Smart teams take excess draft capital and make it excess draft capital the next year. Mm -hmm. Anytime you move a pick that's years ahead, you devalue it by a round. Well, if you're Philadelphia, how many rookies exactly did you plan on playing this year? So here you get future assets to build the roster out knowing that Dallas every year is going to get more leveraged with how expensive Dak Prescott is. That's, you know, I, I mean, uh, I, I feel a mock draft coming. I, I, I got the <laughs> Where's the great Christopher Walken? I got a fever. Well, we got one coming up. And the out. only cure we, we, is more mock draft. But we got one coming out at the end of the week anyway, right? Yeah, well, this is supposed the... to be next week, but I, I can ah, feel a path. I see a okay. path that. Jeez. Look, I'll take any excuse to mock draft that, that I am given, yeah. and this is certainly one of those. Sure you will. So New Orleans now has two picks in the teens in the first round of this year's draft. One will be used on Trey Smith. Tyler of, Smith. Or Tyler Smith. Trey Smith's a guard for the Chiefs. Thank you. Tyler Smith out of Tulsa, mm-hmm. right? And then the second one will be Probably used on Jameson the Probably Williams. Yeah, if I had to bet right now, and this is just first instinct, this makes all the sense in the world because it plays into something I've been – I have been on the Tyler Smith thing for about as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And it never made any sense to me. You have to add a receiver. Now I get it. That's the beauty of uh, – of, and, and we'll get back to talking about yeah, Carolina yeah, yeah. And, and Kansas. But this is this is a big story. Yeah. When you start watching who teams meet with, it can tell you a lot. I've known definitively that New Orleans was drunk in love on Tyler Smith for two months now. Mm-hmm. Well, the only problem is they kept bringing in other players that didn't make any sense. Well, now it makes sense. Because now you have two. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say that makes it more likely that Jamison Williams and Tyler Smith are their two first two picks of which if you go back to my last draft that was their first two picks anyway problem is one of them came in the second round yeah that's what happens when you have to shoehorn a player into a team i don't have to do that anymore (laughs) no they've got all the draft capital there uh for it to happen yes uh, north carolina kansas face off tonight in new orleans new orleans pretty near and dear to tar heel fans hearts obviously the 1982 the shot michael jordan winning the championship over the Georgetown Hoyas, 1993, it was Eric Montross and George Lynch and Donald Williams, that whole team, uh, winning the national championship against the Michigan Wolverines. And now you go to New Orleans and you beat Duke in the Final Four, and now you got Kansas coming up tonight. A team that, by the way, doesn't do very well in New Orleans. In their trips to New Orleans, they, they always end in L's. And I get that Means everybody, right, everybody nothing. I know. But what I'm saying is there's there's history on our side, Tar Heels fans, uh, as they have played in two national championships in the Superdome, lost both of them, one of them to Syracuse and then one of them to Kentucky. And they also 
played Carolina and lost in the 1993 Final Four in New Orleans. They got bounced out in the second round to another year in uh, New Orleans. So, you know, New Orleans may be a special place for the Tar Heels. The, the narrative around this game is comically stupid to me. What's the narrative? The fact that people actually believe David McCormick is the, that's the X factor. Are you out of your mind? You do realize that these great games he's had have been against Whittle teams. Mm -hmm. You know what Carolina's not? Whittle. There's one guy that terrifies me. It's Abaji. Abaji. That's the guy that terrifies me. Mm -hmm. First of all, he has one of the greatest stories you will ever hear in your life. That has nothing to do with why I'm saying this. I'm just going to keep repeating it because CBS did great work of yeah. putting that story together, and it's fantastic. Can you can you explain for people who may not? Heard Basically, the story? he was under recruited. Nobody really cared about him, and he was like 500th in in recruiting rankings. Mm -hmm. And one of Bill Self's assistants found him. Uh, he was actually recruiting another player, and went, "We need to look at this guy, and you need to go see him." And it was this huge story that Bill Self showed up at Kansas and he offered him the next day. Mm -hmm. Like, that kid can play. And he's right. The David McCormick angle of this means nothing to me. Why? Because he's not that good. And if you look at this team over the course of the season, it bears that out. He can destroy small teams mm -hmm. because he is a gigantic human. He's not going to do that to Armando. I don't care if Armando Baycott's playing on one leg. doesn't matter. Now, where this could be problematic is if Kansas gets hot from the outside. Mm -hmm. Because Carolina is not a great team defending the perimeter. You saw it against Duke. It would never have been. Teams that move the ball really efficiently mess with Carolina around the outside. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is the path to, to righteousness for Kansas tonight. Yep. If Kansas thinks they're going to go in and David McCormick is going to be the most important player, they will get run out of this building. Well, I mean, I, I think he very well could be. I, if something, God forbid, happens to Armando and he can't go at full speed or he has to take stretches of the game off, that's going to be an opportunity for them to use McCormick. And and, and, I, and I'm just not overly worried about that. Yeah, okay. the, the MRI came back clean. Look, you can take this for what it's worth. Modern medicine is an amazing thing. Yes, it is. They have to get him through 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. How, what what happens tomorrow? Because there's there's actually no greater risk to re-injury so long as all of the things checked out. He's playing in this game, which means they all checked out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not Carolina's team doctor, but I am somebody that has, well, I was very tall, and I managed to sprain my ankle a time or two. The treatment's going to be fine. The, 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 the worry about Armando Baycott, to me, is misguided. I have no fear that he's going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. But something Chris Womack said is very imperative. Kansas and Carolina both have one big guy. If either one gets in foul trouble, you're in trouble. Because if you're telling me right now Brady Manick has to line up with McCormick, now we're talking about a different ball game. Yes. Because the prairie bird or the prairie dog or whatever, the mulleted man. Prairie bird. You should remember that as afraid you as afraid you are of birds. I don't I don't like birds, but I do like Brady Manick. That's not something you want to see. Conversely, if McCormick gets in foul trouble, Armando Baycott might have 30 rebounds in this game. Mm -hmm. That is a huge part of this. And I told you it would be with Duke and Carolina. Yep. As soon as Mark Williams got in foul trouble, Duke looked different. Mm -hmm. Theo John gets in foul trouble. Now you're playing that little tiny lineup where Bancaro is playing the five. 
They look different. Yeah, and absolutely killed me that Carolina did not take bigger advantage of that in the first I half. Just but it is what just it is. post him up. Right. Right. Why does Armando Bacon have to be the one that runs every high ball screen? Right. Marcus Williams goes out of the game, and you're like, why are we still shooting threes? Why? Stop doing that. Don't do that. Why is Armando Bacon at 28 feet constantly? Right. You take your very large foot, and you put it on the block. And if it moves away from it, we are going to have words. Armand- I don't care how we get you the ball, but that's where the ball goes. Yeah, Armando Baycott could do something tonight that no one has ever done in college basketball. Or Actually, he could do something tonight that only one person has ever done in NCAA history, and that is come up with a 31st double-double of the season. Jeremy, do you know who holds the record? Oh, I don't. I feel like I should. I'll give but I you don't. the year and I'll see if you can get it. 1985, 1986. Right, 31 after, double doubles. That's in a after Hakeem. Mm hmm. It's not Barkley because he didn't mm-hmm. play that many games. Mm-mm. You're close, though. Uh, well, I'm in the wheelhouse. Yeah, this. you're 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 right there. Is it Patrick Ewing? Nope. That was that was in that was in the early 80s. 85, 86 was a young man out of Navy. Oh, David Robinson. David Robinson, the admiral. He is. He has the uh, NCAA record for 31 double-doubles in a season. Armando Baycott got his 30th with 11 points and 21 rebounds against Duke on Saturday night. So he has already passed Tim Duncan on the list of most double-doubles for an ACC player in one season. And tonight he could tie the national record if he comes up with a double-double, which I feel like is kind of a foregone conclusion. One like, would think so, yes. <laughs> like, if he's going to play 25 minutes in this game, there will be a double-double. This is a really good matchup. There, yeah, there's nothing that I look at and go, you have such a drastic advantage here. I mean, both these teams are thin. Mm-hmm. Of which I, 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 will, I will never for the life of me understand how teams get to this point and they're playing a six-man rotation. Duke. I mean, oh, look I mean, at the level of athlete Duke recruits. Shazeski mm-hmm. got to six and went, nope, I'm out. I'll leave you out there to get your fourth foul. I will never understand that. Right. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how it, how it comes to this, but it, it is how it is. There are only two guys on the Tar Heel team that see significant playing time outside of the, outside of the starting five, and it's Puff Johnson and Dontrez Styles. It's the only two guys that get above four minutes per game or have played more than four minutes per game in this NCAA tournament. I, I did love Armando Baycott's. Uh, we don't have any other big guys. I feel like Justin McCoy would be going, mm, I am still here. <laughs> I am right here. I am six foot nine. I still qualify. I, I am right here. Could but you at you least have? That? No. I mean, come on. Nobody's going to trust that. And what's funny is he was such a big get. Mm-hmm. Coming out of the transfer portal, he was always transferring in the conference. This is huge yeah. for Carolina. Not so much. Nine months later, afterthought. Yeah, complete afterthought. Everybody is a complete afterthought on this team. Everybody's an afterthought on this team outside of four players offensively. But you have to throw in the defense of Leaky Black to go, okay, that's a solid starting five. Coming off the bench, you're real thin. Well, uh, to me, the, the way this game goes, in my opinion, looking at it from the player's perspective, coach's mm-hmm. perspective, all those things. Mm-hmm. I know if I'm Bill Self, if I'm Hubert Davis, this game cannot start out overly physical. 
and I'm I am preaching this to my team. Do not pick up stupid fouls early. If anybody is sitting on two fouls with ten minutes to go in the first half, we've done it wrong, mm-hmm. and we put ourselves at a marked disadvantage. Usually, when you get a game like this with two teams that are this thin playing for a national title, the first eight minutes are like the first two rounds of a prize fight. Nothing's going to be overly aggressive, figuring each other out. You'll see a lot of threes. And then it's the question of that last 12 minutes of the first half. That's where you'll see how this game, the, the pace of this game is actually going to be dictated. All the way up to the, the, the under eight timeout. That's where you'll see what this pace is going to look like in the second half. I think if it stays reasonably up-tempo, that actually plays into Carolina. The slower this is, I'd look at Kansas and go, mm-hmm. that's more advantageous to you. Yeah. Because Caleb Love, I mean, he showed this against Duke. He is very much a rhythm player. First half, he's out of rhythm. Can't get the ball in the position that he wants. He's forcing up shots from, from deep. Then he starts attacking the basket. Mm-hmm. And the ball starts going in, and every time the ball goes in, that basket gets about six inches bigger. I know, I've seen me do it. Yep. And then you get to a point, I, I told HWA, I was like, there's a shot coming from Caleb Love that's going to make you go, what was that? It did. Yep. Yeah, it was an air ball that didn't even touch the net. We want to get everybody in rhythm. That's, that's what this is all going to be about, is trying to find your rhythm. And as long as the game is moving, the more and more I like Carolina's chances, not only to stay in this game, but to hopefully over you know overall in the end come out and win tonight in the national championship there is one major thing that is sticking with me about this carolina team still and we'll talk about it up next could be doomsday scenario if it continues to go this way here on espn Asheville, you're in the sportocracy don't forget to check us out at thesportocracy.com. If cleanliness is next to godliness, look around the car right now. Is that very godly? Look, life comes at you fast, but so does WNC Auto Detailing. They have the tools to make your interior look like it's coming off the showroom floor. You don't believe me? Check them out on Instagram. All that filth and years of stains disappear. WNC Auto Detailing does full interior and exterior details with paint correction, and they do wax and ceramic coatings. Call WNC Auto Detailing at 455-3700. Premium care with a Southern hospitality touch. Real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Marshall with EXP Realty, your native realtor serving all of Western North Carolina. I will work hard for you, and I believe in doing the right thing every time. I market each of my listings to reach out-of-town buyers. I use a professional photographer and drone video on every single listing, as well as collaborate with agents across the country to find your buyer. Check me out online at clarissasellswnc.com or give me a call at 828-774-6343. It would be my pleasure to assist you through the real estate process. The Sportsocracy. Ice up, son. Ice up. Dear Armando Baycott, uh, ice, heat, uh, pain meds, I don't care what you got to do. He doesn't care what you got to do. You got to get on the floor tonight for that national championship game. Again, you'll hear it live right here on ESPN Asheville. Tar Heel Radio Network will have the call for you. Uh, tip off at 920 tonight, 8 o'clock pregame Why? here on Why ESPN. Look. Okay, I I have been nice about this. I've been to the West Coast enough times. If they really care, they'll leave work and no one will notice. No one will care. Oh, uh, Bill, where are you going? I don't want to be here anymore. 
Okay. Stop scheduling these games so late. You sound like the old man yelling at clouds it's now. A, it's just, not me anymore. And, and look, it has, I will 100% be awake for every second of this game regardless. Because, well, I'm a night owl and that is what I do. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make any sense. Where is college basketball the biggest? In the east. I was going to say the south, but east will also yeah, well, that also applies. Huh. So you're pandering to the to the west, really? Really? Uh, okay. We got to have those eyeballs in the big markets like LA where nobody's going to watch it anyway. If where it'll do it too. Right. It'll do a 52 here. Uh, speaking of, there was the average viewership for the Duke Carolina game. It was what was it, thirteen and a half? Sixteen point three million people. Sixteen. That is a million. huge number. It is. It was the most watched uh, college basketball game ever on cable, right? Uh, second most. Second most. It lost to Wisconsin and Kentucky in twenty fifteen, of which I feel like there must have been a big snowstorm that just kept people inside. Yeah, I don't. I do not understand how that's even kind of possible. Mm. But now that's also without the the out-of-home number. That won't be out for another couple of days. Right, so the and streaming this services a, and all that. No. People in bars, people at watch oh, okay. parties, things like that. That adds usually between 10 and 15% of the number, mm-hmm. of which that would put it right behind Kentucky and, and Wisconsin. If it was as watched out-of-home as I think it was, it would make it number one. Yeah. Could have been a uh, bigger number had it been on CBS, I guess, because there are a that's lot. the other crazy Apparently, part. a lot of people on DirecTV don't get TBS, and that's weird to me. Well, I have two of them, which is a good thing because one of mine went Mm-mm, and stopped working with two minutes to go. Had to switch to the West Band and went, oh, uh, this is why we care about the West because nobody's watching it. <laughs> well, thankfully, there were no connection issues for me watching the game the other night and uh, hopefully there are none for you tonight while you enjoy this national championship game oh uh by the way just to update you on our most overrated bands brackets we are in the elite eight and currently the vote on the youtube stream is creed 52 percent tool 48 percent wrong who is more overrated? Cast your ballots before the end of the show today. The winner of this one, the quote-unquote winner, because, again, in most overrated bands bracket, you don't want to be the one to move on in the tournament. The the uh, the the person or the band that advances, there you go, will go up against either U2 or One Direction, which will be decided tomorrow here in the sportsocracy could so get your votes in uh is and a new vote just came in and or a couple of votes just came in and it is now tied we're at 50 50 right means my great people i need you on this stream voting for tool because that's the right answer most overrated creed or tool just go to the sportsocracy.com click on the live video link hit the subscribe button to get the access into the chat and you can cast your ballot as well creed versus tool with the uh quote-unquote winner moving on to face either u2 or one direction in the final four of the most overrated bands bracket again that uh, other matchup will be decided tomorrow here in the sportsocracy the thing that is driving me nuts or drove me nuts during the duke carolina game on saturday night was all of the passes that got picked off 
I counted it. It was seven times the Tar Heels were intercepted by Duke. I don't think Zach Wilson could throw that many interceptions. Okay, first of all, you do not need to take shots at my quarterback. <laughs> That's just that is uncalled for. I don't know. It was just it, it was just lazy passes that were getting picked off, guy. And and give credit to Duke for playing in the passing lanes and being able to see that and jump the passing lanes. I get that. I'm just if that continues tonight against Kansas, that makes me really worried. I have no fear of that. You turn the ball over 10 times in a 40-minute game, I'm not overly worried about that. Mm -hmm. And of those 10, four of them were just, you made a movement and had absolutely nowhere to go. Yeah, One of Brady Mannix was, okay, what what exactly did you think you were going to do right there? Right. You're behind the basket anyway. It's not like you can throw it over your head, so there's only one spot to throw it, and there's nobody there. Mm Mm-hmm. It just resulted in a lot of fast break opportunities for Duke. And, you know, I still feel like you're going up against a team like Kansas. They're going to be able to hurt you as well. There are two big X factors to me. One of them is free throw shooting, of which I, if I live to be 200 years old, I will never understand how it is such a struggle to make free throws. Mm -hmm. The other to me is R.J. Davis. That's where I think this begins and ends. He was lethal against Duke in the mid range. Mm-hmm. Now Caleb Love took all of the narrative, but I, I don't look for another twenty-eight point game out of Caleb Love. I think you're going to have to catch some of that offense from R.J. Davis. He's the one that I look at and go, "If you told me his box score, you told me the line in his box score, I feel like I could tell you who's going to win this." If you tell me R.J. Davis has seventeen points, six or seven assists doesn't turn the ball over more than once or twice, mm-hmm. I feel like Carolina's probably going to win. Okay. I feel like you need to you need to ride the highs. You need to ride the highs as much as possible, and hopefully everybody can, everybody can have the hot, you know, not the hot hand, but be in a groove from, for, for the entire game because we saw a whole lot of just streaky shooting in that game against Duke. I mean, Caleb Love, he he hit 9 out of 11 of his final shots of the night. But before that, he was like 2 of 10. It was not a very good night shooting. Brady Manick didn't hit a three-pointer in the first half. Thankfully, he was able to hit a clutch one down the stretch to give the Tar Heels that chance to send coach k home with another l god i I just can't i can't even say it without getting the big stupid grin on my face on the weird scale there's vegas there's florida and there's Asheville. let's get weird Asheville. streaming services that's pretty much how we all get our music right like when was the last time you bought an album or a CD, or Creed, nineteen ninety eight. That was the last one. Uh, I get that. You know, there are a lot of people that like to buy vinyl albums still and stuff like that. But most people, we get all our stuff from streaming services. Obviously, the iHeartRadio app is the best streaming service, and we consider or we we urge you to go out and uh, use that one. Uh, exclusively, especially when you're going to listen to The Sportocracy here on ESPN Asheville, uh, heard live or on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, But a recent study done says that uh, there is a lot more interest today in old music than there is in new music. 
at least when you look at the streaming service numbers. And I don't know if, and they don't know either, if this is just more older generations are getting hip to the to the technology and they're using the streaming services to listen to all their favorite stuff, or if it's the newer generations are coming around to the way of thinking of the, of the rest of us that new music sucks and all the good music is older. So in 2021, a study done says that uh, current releases and streaming numbers declined by 19.4%. Meanwhile, streaming of older music went up by 29.4% including the greatest band of all time, Creed. the Beatles. It's one of those bands that has, uh, that you know, they have seen a big boost as well, obviously, with all with the Disney Plus, the, the whole get back thing. You know, there are a lot of firms, investment firms, that are jumping on older music right now because it's such a hot seller. Uh, Bob Dylan. Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, and Stevie Nicks recently sold their catalogs to various firms and companies for sums of a hundred plus million dollars. And Bruce Springsteen is coming up in the the Elite Eight of the most overrated bands bracket later on this week. Sold his music catalog to Sony. Did you see this deal? Eight dollars. That's what it's worth. So I- it it got him five hundred million dollars they paid half a billion dollars for all of bruce springsteen's catalog i feel like bruce got a good deal on that one well, I, yeah because all you had to find is somebody with the dry heaves and you'd heard the same thing <laughs> born in the usa oh <laughs> see i look at that differently than you yeah i think that is more new music is terrible than oh the old stuff is so great I could not name you, outside of Luke Combs, I could not name you a popular artist today. Not one. Not one. That could be a fun game. Is this a current popular artist or... Is this Marvel supervillain or... No, you'd probably be good at that. Oh, I would be you good at that. You read comic books or a, as a kid. Or a painter that we pulled out of the yellow pages. It's the one normal thing that kids do that Jeremy ever participated in was reading comic books. And I only read Batman. I thought I thought Superman was really ridiculous. <laughs> Speaking of ridiculous, this story is completely ridiculous, and it blows in the face of that line that we use: "Don't do crimes," and this is dangerous crimes. So, really, don't do that. A sixty-year-old man in Berlin has been arrested after he was selling fraudulent vaccination cards. That wouldn't be that much of a story, mm-hmm. except for the. He got the actual vaccination himself to make sure the batch numbers lined up. He's been vaccinated against coronavirus 91 times. What? I feel like that is horribly bad for you. It's got to be. You can't just keep taking the shot, even if you're one of those wackadoodles that thinks it's tap water. Eventually, it's bad, 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 bad. So he was going and getting the shot and using the number on the cards that he manufactured. So he was taking the cards. He was lying about his name. That's why it never hit. He was going to different places, so there was no tracking of where this person had been. Okay. He had 91 sets of COVID-19 vaccination cards that he sold to people for varying amounts. I Just, okay, 
there are some crimes that I look crimes are always bad. Right. Don't do crimes. Right. There are at least some that I look at and go, okay, you you were hungry and you stole bread. I understand that. You took a vaccine 91 times. I'm just going to tell you as somebody that spent a lot of my time in bars, 91 of anything is bad, but bad, bad, but bad, bad. Mm-hmm. Don't, okay, just, okay. I read this story like, well, that guy is going to die a horrible death because you cannot possibly tell me that that's okay. Look, I don't know what that is, but it sounds like cancer. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I have no idea. But it's not going to end well. No, I mean, at some point you become lab rat, and I don't I think that like, ever ends well for the rats. I feel like that guy is going to be on an infomercial of, did you accidentally take a vaccine 417 times? You might have a class action lawsuit. <laughs> I saw this play like right in between the mesothelioma commercials. Oh, yeah. Nice. Good Lord, 91 vaccinations. Uh, when it comes to the national championship tonight, I said, I told you New Orleans, it's a good place for the Tar Heels to play in the Superdome all time. Tar Heels now nine and one, only one loss in the Superdome, uh, for the Tar Heels. So you got that going for us going into tonight's game against Kansas. But you know, those are, those are soft things. Those are, those are like, oh, those are fun little tidbits from history has no bearing on the matchup that we're actually going to see on the floor tonight. Uh, you said RJ Davis. I'll agree with that. RJ Davis has got to be, he's got to be hitting his shots. I think he's the most important player on the floor. Six of 13. Armando Baycott's going to get, I'm not going to say what he wants. Mm-hmm. I feel like him and McCormick kind of weigh each other out because Baycott, in spite of the, the, padding you see in the box score he's not as involved in the offense as you would like him to be Mm -hmm. and you know i was halfway being funny when i said can nobody on this team set a high ball screen but it's not really funny it's the truth virtually every high pick and roll comes from baycott Mm -hmm. the only problem is he never rolls so it's just he he sets the screen now can the ball handler take it to the basket or is it a dribble drive it's very rarely the dump off to baycott Right. So he's going to get, we always call these scraps players. He's the guy that scores 15 points, and eight of them were off offensive rebounds. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. Because he's the third option on that play, if an option at all. When he comes up to set that high ball screen, it's going one of two places. It's either going to be Caleb Love probably driving to the basket to score, or it's going to be RJ and Brady on the wing. And by the way, if you've ever wondered why certain players are really good in college basketball and do not at all translate to the NBA, that's why. Because in the NBA, you're the number one option there. Yes. And if you can't do that, then you don't really have a spot in the league. But do you believe that it's because he can't? I think he can. I think he'd I don't run think it. he wants to. I think he'd I, run I really it great. I, I think his objective is... Armando Baycott wants to play within four feet of the rim at all times. You shoot it. You do your thing. I'll do all of And trust me, there's a great merit to this in college basketball. Mm-hmm. This is You and I have talked about this before. People that do not understand that just because you're good in college does not mean you're going to translate to the NBA. Oh, yeah. My dad is still baffled to this day how Tyler Hansbrough was not a 14-time All-Star. Because you can't play this way in the league. This is not how it works. Mm-hmm. There's no set play. I shouldn't say there's no set plays. There are very few set plays. It doesn't work like that. 
Armando Baycott is the junkyard dog kind of player that you love having in college, especially if you get a size mismatch. If something happened tonight and David McCormick picked up two fouls like Mark Williams did, mm-hmm. Kansas is in trouble. Because there's nobody that can there's nobody that can pick up fouls on Baycott. Because then you resolve there is no help. You you just tell Baycott, you don't help because the only thing that can hurt us is if you get in foul trouble too. Right. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. There were there was a lot of narrative that that fouls played such a such a narrative in the Duke game. To me, it had no effect whatsoever. Mark Williams was an impact while he was out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yay! First one to foul out was still Baycott. So, to me, that's just not that big of a narrative. But tonight's gonna—I cannot—I physically can't wait for this game. See now, unlike you, I will not be distraught no matter what happens tonight. Well, and and that's a fortunate place to be in, you know. It's it's just the burden that I guess I have to bear. Uh, me and all the Tar Heel fans out there, we just we just have to bear the burden of you know we're in the national championship so much. It just we can't enjoy as many as the rest of you who never get to play for national. Every Duke fan is looking at whoever's in the car with them, going that <laughs> that, that that's, that's, why. that's, that's why. why that's that's why we hate that's them. why yeah <laughs> yeah uh, when they said uh, what was the stat. Um, that the Tar Heels have now made the Final Four in nine straight decades? Yeah, J.J. Reddick, where's your inferiority complex, sir? I still want to know. For a team that's played in 12 national titles to your how many appearances? It's just still kind of still stuck about that one. Inferiority complex, despite the fact that We've been relevant for 90 years in basketball. Oh, congratulations. You've been uh, relevant for half that time. Congratulations. In the break, I will explain to him what an inferiority complex is and how he just explained it in, to the highest degree. What do you mean? Because you're still talking about J.J. Redick, who is completely irrelevant. That's the inferiority complex that he's talking about. That makes no sense. Uh, if we felt inferior, why? Then why did you bring it up? For the, by because the way, he the brought third it up. time in five days. Because he brought it up. That's one of those things that's always been comical to me. Like, why do you care? They're sitting at home. Bye. Go go sit under your tree and and write your haiku or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you do. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you think. So that's what. That's why the Duke Carolina rivalry to me. I, I almost did. I'm mad on this yep. because the amount of vitriol between Duke and Carolina fans, it is such an annoying rivalry from the outside because it's so passive aggressive. Oh, you're just a sore loser. If I had a dollar for every time I saw that, mm-hmm. like just tell them to fly a kite. They lost. You won. Why do you play into this? Because it's fun. It's all fun and games until somebody kills your ram. I'll never get over that. Just never get over that. You heard that story, right? Oh, I did. Okay. All right. Years ago, some Duke students killed Ramses, and we've never gotten over it. Just just one of those things. Brady Mannix got to be the man, though. I, I See, to me, you, you say R.J. Davis is the X factor. I think it's Brady. I think we need Brady to be hitting threes big time tonight to come out on top and win this game 
your X factor for Kansas is Abaji and nobody else? No. No. I mean, like I said in the first hour, my uh, mine is Jalen Wilson. Abaji's going to get what he gets. This is first-team All-American. Mm-hmm. He's going to get his. Just like Caleb Love, do some shape, form, or fashion, is going to get his. To me, it's Jalen Wilson. That's the guy that can absolutely extend your defense and becomes a problem and now get you one-on-one with McCormick and can get Bacon in foul trouble. But now if he can't hit water off a bridge, which has happened more than once this year, mm-hmm. now it becomes much easier to tighten down. Because be really honest with yourself, Abaji's not a great shooter. No. He was great against Villanova, and it's not who he is, really. I mean, he has his moments. Mm-hmm. He has his games where but he see, that's hit the problem all. with Kansas. That's why they've been so absolutely infuriating is because, yes, they can all do – I'm not going to say everything. They all have very – virtually every player that plays for Kansas has a well-rounded game in some short, shape, form, or fashion. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the difference between the high highs and the low lows is very vast. And if they have two guys on that low side – they're not nearly as daunting. Right. Uh, for some reason, you know, Remy Martin, who was the terror of the tournament early, he's disappeared in the last couple of games. He only had three points the other night in the uh, win over Villanova, and I get it didn't really matter because they would had that game in control the entire time. But he's another one that I look at and go. And I think that's the thing with so many of these guys is from one to seven – on both teams, everybody's got their well-defined role. And it's going to come down to whoever's whoever's hottest, I guess, to take home the title tonight. Again, you'll hear it here on ESPN Asheville. Jeremy, it's time to get mad. Dirty, perky, shark-a-back, flat. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Perky, shark-a-back, flat. If you have watched this show for any period of time, you know that I am not a fan of baseball. Let me give you a really good example as to why. Carlos Beltran, now the play-by-play announcer of the New York Yankees. This is one year after, two years after he was fired by the New York Mets, having never managed a game because of a scandal from three years ago where they just read the signs that you were putting out loud with trash cans, and that's a big problem. At what point do you stop doing this? You have killed your sport because you got so revved up about steroids when nobody cared. Now, five years later, you're still talking about a side-stealing incident where nobody but your purest care. If the biggest story in your sport is cheating scandals and people doing things the wrong way. That is you screaming from the rooftop. My sport is irrelevant and you should not care because that is what everybody like me that is a passive fan hears. I have heard this Carlos Beltran thing for eight straight days. It has been on the homepage of every website that does national news when you click on Major League Baseball for over a week. At some point, you have to get over this and get on with your life. I'm mad. (laughs) Oh, just baseball doing baseball-y things. You just sit out in the outfield and scream at clouds, and you wonder why the average fan does not care. Mm -hmm. First of all, the average fan couldn't name 10 players in your sport. Second of all, a player that we do know 
that could, would have been nice if he was like the manager of the Mets and somebody looked at it and went, hey, I, I remember him. I remember when he played. Right. Nope. Can't do that because he was beating on a trash can like Doug Funny. Ugh. Like Doug. F- oh, the cartoon. If wow. you know, you know. All right. Very good. This is the second time he's come up in two days. I was talking to my wife yesterday, and I said, don't you think if I was drawn as a cartoon that my head would look a lot like Doug's with just those little spinities coming out for hair? What? Correct? Well, I mean, it would, it would be like Doug if somebody took that pixelated drawing and just... Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd out. have to stretch it out like Eric Cartman. But still. There you go. You combine Cartman with Doug. There you go. Tankhead. Hey. Found it. There you go. <laughs> uh, your chance to win money plus, uh, yeah, uh, we'll have our final picks for the national championship coming up next right here on ESPN Asheville. The underdog. The long shot. The nobody from nowhere. Never going to happen. 100 to one shot. We know something about that. We're with you every step of the way. This week at Ingalls, select 6 to 12 count Laurel and Cuddly Soft Bath Tissue, $3.98 each. Select sizes and varieties Kellogg's Frosted Flakes or Fruit Loop Cereal, two for $4. And select sizes and varieties Tide Laundry Detergent, $12.98 each. Ingalls, low prices, love the savings. If you listen to the picks on Friday, you know that, well, I had Kansas in the money line, and that was right. I also had Duke, also in the money line. That was wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, the third pick in that was Duke to win the national title. They're not here. So we're going to have to chase just a little bit. First, the over-under in this game makes virtually no sense to me. These are two good offensive teams. These are two good teams, period. And I just think no matter how this goes, I don't see this being a 66-64 slugfest. This number came in about eight points lower than I thought it would. And so I got 50 on it. I'm going over 152. The other two picks are basically they're the same thing combined. I got 50 on it. The North Carolina Tar Heels to win by one to five points, which will pay you at 450. It is plus 450. And I got 100 on it. The North Carolina Tar Heels. I am not a Disney fairy tale kind of guy. But you beat Darth K. He's not here anymore. You knocked him out. You can't possibly lose this game. That kills it all. Give me the Tar Heels. I got 100 on it in the money line. Oh, and take those wagers at betus.com. Use the promo code SPORTSOCRACY. Get a 125% deposit bonus on whatever you put in up to $2,500. Again, promo code SPORTSOCRACY at betus.com. I really... I, I really feel I'm feeling some kind of way about you picking Carolina tonight. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not excited about it. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, Vegas is basically daring you to take Carolina because everything is playing that Vegas thinks Kansas is going to win this game by between six and eight points. Everything. Mm-hmm. The line has stayed the same. It's almost like they're baiting you knowing how much action comes in on Carolina. That makes me nervous. But. I feel like the over the, the over exaggeration of David McCormick is, is moving that a little bit. I would have seen this coming in. I would have had Kansas about a two and a half point favorite. The two teams as they sit right now. I mean, yeah, there's a path where Remy Martin is really it, it, 
impactful off the bench. And I think Carolina would struggle with that because they don't have a player that can do that. Puff Johnson's not going to come off the bench and score 17 points. It's just not going to happen. Right. So, I mean, is there a path to that? Yes. I just, I look at this game and go, the emotion does take something. There's something to be said there. And the one thing I've yet to hear anybody say is, yeah, the game with Duke was emotionally draining. That's not as big of a negative as you think because now you're playing with complete house money. You beat the 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 devil you know. Now this is just, we're sitting here with house money. We got nothing to lose. Yep. We're an eight seed. Nobody's done this since the mid-80s. And I'm, I'm taking all of those things going, you know, I, I think Vegas has gotten this wrong. They're horribly leveraged by Carolina. And I think Carolina does it. All right, we got the national championship tonight at uh, 8 o'clock pregame, 9.20 tip-off down in New Orleans. Tar Heels, Jayhawks in the national title. Again, you'll hear it live right here on ESPN Asheville with our good friends from the Tar Heel Radio Network. Coming up next on the YouTube channel, we got a happy hour. We're answering all your draft questions next. We'll see you back here tomorrow, hopefully celebrating a Carolina win at 3 o'clock.